Blog Talk Radio. That that opening that moment you have to wait for the, her to come on and say Blog Talk Radio is always longer than I think it should be. Uh, good good afternoon. Um, this is Mike. Uh, it's March twenty sixth. We're doing the, I don't know, 17th or 18th episode in a series of uh, drive through shows devoted to introducing and talking to the, the bloggers for the SHRM National Conference and Ex- Exposition in Chicago. And, and they call us the blog squad, but as it's been pointed out, um, there's about 63 people on that team. Not everyone has a blog these days, so we're, we've got podcasts and all kinds of other stuff. Our guest today is Carlos Escobar. Carlos, welcome to drive through how are you doing? Hey, great, Mike. Glad to be here. Um, it's a beautiful day in San Antonio. Um, nice and sunny and warm, and it's Final Four week, and um, ready to talk HR and Sherm 18 with you. Awesome. I got a shout out. Uh, I went to Michigan, so go blue and Loyola. Wow. <laughs> so from the from the you know from the 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 March Madness that you know one I'm one I'm partial to because I'm an alum and the other one is such a Cinderella story that it's awesome to have seen what they're doing they play really well um, I, I'm glad you're warm in San Antonio I'm in Atlanta and it's freezing here again today we have yet to we've had one day of weather over eight that hit 80 so far this spring and we should be in the 70s. 60s and 70s every day by now. So this is still hanging around cold for us, and I'm, I'm personally getting a little tired of it. So uh, I, I'll, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, being in, in Austin next week where hopefully it'll be warmer. Um, Carlos, tell us, um, tell us about um, yourself. Tell us about what you do in HR and your blog and, you know, that kind of stuff. Introduce and give the details of Carlos Escobar to the listeners of Drive Through. Sure. Um, Right now, I am a learning and talent management specialist at the Alamo Colleges. So we operate uh, five community colleges in the San Antonio area. And um, I teach employees to use process improvement, change management, um, and project management tools in their day-to-day work. So I I work in HR. I just have a focus in that particular area right now. In the past, I've been an HR analyst, a recruiter. Um, As an analyst, I was in charge of our employee communication processes. Um, let's see, I've also been involved with employment in the past. Um, I've been blogging since 2013 um, mm-hmm. after I was convinced to do so by the one and only Steve Brown. And um, mm-hmm. only recently that I've been more consistent with it um, in the last maybe two or three years. But I've got a pretty good portfolio of, of blogs out there going back. What is the, the what's the where would people find your blog? Does it have a fancy name or is it named after you or? It does not have a fancy name. It's uh, it's just called Carlos Escobar. Uh, the the mm-hmm. web address is cescobar.com. Cool. Um, you you did or do some volunteer work with the Texas HR group as well, right? Yes. Um, right now, uh, as of January, I became the uh, Director of College Relations for Texas SHRM. So um, working with students has been something that's obviously near and dear to my heart um, due, due to my work. Um, also, I was the College Relations Director for the San Antonio chapter in the past and College Relations Chair. 
And actually, I got my start in HR uh, by going to a SHRM chapter meeting out at the University of Texas at San Antonio. So uh, mm -hmm. the college and student relations piece is very, very close and dear to my heart. So it's something I'm very passionate about. And um, it's great to be working with Texas SHRM in that area. I, I often stay at the, uh, I think it's a Doubletree Hotel that's right across the street from the Texas University of Texas at San Antonio campus when I'm down there. I only get down there two or three times a year, but it, for whatever reason, that place is not hard to get to, and it's not as expensive as the Riverwalk, but you're nearby, and so I've stayed there a few times. Um, and my, my old boss at Publix is a graduate of University of San Antonio, University of Texas at San Antonio, so had, he was he was shocked when I told him I was looking at his old you know his old classroom <laughs> a couple of years ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, um, so I had a, so last week I had uh, Tamara Esbury on and she started out working in the federal government. I uh, asked her about that. Um, you know, John uh, John Nicolaisian does some work you know in the colleges. I guess it's at Florida International University, and he works with students. Mm -hmm. What what is, what what is different than what is different working in a college in HR than, you know, than in a, in the, in, I guess in the private sector? How, how does that, how does, what are, what makes, you know, what, what are the issues and what, what kind of makes it attractive and fun? And, but I just, I'm curious about the experience, I guess. Yeah, sure. Um, so I would say our college uh, system is unique uh, to begin with in general, because we have five independently accredited colleges in San Antonio. And then we have a district operation uh, that I work at. And so we try to strike a balance between, you know, college independence, which is very important, and then also uh, district um, where we're, we're trying to get some efficiencies, you know, like we, we try to make it so that students don't have to apply to five colleges, for example. And, and that's the case. Um, but sometimes, you know, it's managing that eternal struggle between independence and then uh, working together. So uh, at our colleges, that's something that, you know, we're consistently working with, you know, so um, sometimes we have competing interests, uh, competing needs, um, balancing our stakeholders. It's really, really important. Um, I personally enjoy working in this area because I believe in student success. You know, I think uh, I was incredibly lucky as a student to be given the opportunities that I had, and I had great mentors and sometimes stumbled upon the right things at just the right moment that helped me uh, in my career, and I just – Really like being part of a system that helps create those opportunities for people. So even work cool. like in HR, I don't I don't face students. I rarely see students. In fact, being at the district office, but knowing that what I do um, eventually helps employees do what they do, and what they do is help students. So um, there's just a really great connection to that. And then we're highly embedded in the community. So um, it's it's important to have that at the core of everything that we do. And I really believe in our mission. Um, and you mentioned that you you've done a lot with change change management and that and that kind of stuff. How how, how does that work? Is that is that in this is that now in this role or is that in past roles that you when you when we talked about that in the pre-show? We do it now. So um, we believe that all management is change management. So um, any time that we're going to roll out an initiative, especially as an HR department um, or as a training team. You know, we're asking people to change. Either we're changing the way they do their work or we're changing um, their perspective or we're implementing something or another that will change the status quo a little bit. So 
um, we recognize and value the fact that anytime we do something like that, we have to have a process in place. We can't, um, we can't just go around saying, well, this is the best practice. You know, we have to create awareness for it. We have to create the desire to change and then show people how to uh, not only survive in the new environment, but thrive and then create incentives for maintaining the change long term. And it's a, uh, it's a practice. There's a whole field of change management that we're just now starting to get into. Um, but, you know, it's recognizing the fact that we can't just change things just because we go to a conference and learn the latest and greatest. You know, we have to take care to make sure that our people come along for the ride. Yeah. Um, so I, I was looking at your blog earlier. I'm going to shift gears a little bit. Um, I was looking at, and, 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 and I want to kind of stick with students, but I want to, I, I want to talk, I think, about um, student activism and, and, and your last blog topic and kind of, so it, it, it's, we've touched, as, as I was saying in the pre-show, we talked about Black Blogs Matter and we've talked about the Me Too movement some with, with the bloggers because some people are more active in those. Um, over the weekend, um, all across the country, um, of course, there were, there were rallies by st the students from Parkman School and many others supporting, you know, calling for, you know, changes in the gun laws and, and that kind of stuff, which I know is a, a, a very touchy subject in Texas for, for many people for a lot of reasons. Um, but you, you just wrote a, uh, you just did an interview piece for your Sherman 18 thing right, with, uh, with Catherine Matisse about bullying and violence and harassment. I, I guess one is tell yeah. us about that and, and, and then we'll kind of tie it back and maybe talk a little bit about how students and, you know, get, get a chance to test boundaries in ways Anyway, I have, I have a thought, but tell us about the interview first. That will kind of help set it up, I think. Sure. Um, so I, I was lucky enough to find uh, Catherine Matice listed on the speaker list this year. I've actually worked with her in the past. Um, she's worked with us here at the Alamo Colleges. Um, and I've seen her speak twice before as well. So um, when I was just going through the list trying to find someone to interview, I was extremely excited that she was on that list. Um, we talked uh, probably for about 30 minutes about uh, workplace culture and how culture, of course, can make or break you and how some cultures create environments where uh, workplace bullying and harassment and sometimes violence um, can find shelter or can thrive. And so what we worked on talking a lot about was the idea that all of these things are related to each other, you know? So um, if you have an environment that kind of shelters bullies or creates um, an environment where bullies can thrive, you're probably also experiencing some levels of harassment happening there as well. Um, either you know about it or you don't. Um, and if, if, if that kind of environment exists, people are probably not reporting it because they don't feel that the system will protect them. And then you're probably also susceptible to some form of workplace violence. Now, um, the big stories that make the news, of course, when it comes to workplace violence are, you know, the truly um, heinous crimes and things like that. But sometimes workplace violence is, is more subtle, you know, and bullying is more subtle and harassment is subtle. And those things add up and create a culture where people don't feel they can speak up and people don't feel that they can be the best version of themselves. Um, one of the things that Catherine said in her interview um, was that, you know, she believes that we have a moral and ethical obligation to our employees. And I think um, that really stuck with me because it kind of shifts our work a little bit from 
from being something that we're trying to be proactive and, and really thinking about, you know, if I hire someone, if I um, am part of the organization that hires people, every time they come in that organization, they're expecting me to protect them. They're expecting me to make sure that they have the opportunity to be who they are, to utilize their strengths. And um, it's just so crucial to open our mind a little bit and um, think about why we do what we do from that perspective. Um, um, and activism. This is actually something I wrote about in, at, when I went to UTSA because at the time, um, I, I think I was writing about how there really wasn't as much student activism. Um, this was back in the late 90s, early 2000s. And um, I personally think it's refreshing to see an active student population. Um, I don't always have to agree um, with uh, the tactics or um, even the topic, um, but, I, but I think it's important that our students and our young, uh, our young people have a voice and, and that they utilize it and, and that they are given the opportunity to be heard. Uh, I think they push the envelope and it makes folks like us, you know, who are a little bit more experienced, sometimes it makes us a little uncomfortable and that's not always a bad thing. Right. I, I'm paraphrasing a quote, but it was from a 17-year-old who, uh, somewhere who said, I'm sick of these old-ass politicians, uh, you know, making laws that, that we have to live, you know, under blah, blah, blah. And just remember, we're going to be coming, coming in and voting next year, or I'm voting next year, you know. And it was like, the way he said it, it was kind of like old-ass politics. I mean, you know, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but he was. He was, uh, you know, yeah, it was, a little, it was a little direct and a little confrontational, but it was uh, the uh, USA Today said that the, the march in Washington, D.C., I didn't read the article, but the headline on USA Today um, said that that march in Washington may have been the largest march ever held in D.C. I don't, I don't know if that's a true fact or a social media fake news uh, but it was, at least it was a, you know, I mean, not that USA Today is like the le leading news uh, source of our lot world, but it wasn't a major newspaper as opposed to uh, somebody's website, I guess. Um, and then I yeah. know here, I was talking to somebody yesterday, there was, there was a march uh, Saturday uh, at the George Capitol and, 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 you know, many cities around the country as well. So it wasn't, wasn't just students, but it's, it's really interesting that that, that, that whole, um, that whole movement has, I mean, really arose, and who knows how it, how much of it was backed by other other funds and stuff. But it, you know that it, it it arose in a matter of weeks or you know a month. Not not wasn't something that's been going on for a long time. And it was it all came together. And it, I think that's the I think that's the era in which we live right now. To some extent, there's that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you ever read the book called Pendulum. Um, no, it's. Uh, it's uh, I can't think of the guy who wrote it. It's it's a book about it, basically the the author whose name I can't remember says that that we move through forty year cycles in our society, particularly American society. And there's a we era and there's a me era. And then he has like and as the pendulum swings over the forty year cycle, you go from like where people play well together and do things in groups to you know everybody's more concerned about themselves. And and as we make these transitions you go through these different phases and he calls one of them the witch hunt. And it, it mm -hmm. seems, it seems to me that we're definitely in the, in the witch hunt era these days on every level. It doesn't matter who you are, what you are, or what you stand for, you're going to get witch hunted. <laughs> and even yeah. our president, 
that, that you know uses that term. But I mean, some of them are legit, some of them not so much, perhaps. But it's just there's a cause for everything. And uh, but I, I think some of these are more, you know, the Me Too movement, the Black Lives Matter. Some of these others are more. Um, I don't know. You know, they they have they seem to have a longer shelf life, if you will, than than some of the other things that pop up, like you know, that get a, a petition on on Facebook or something, and then that goes away next week. Um, and I I agree with you. I, I don't I don't think the uh, the, the activism. I, I didn't live on campus, but I had stu- I had kids who were students in college, and they they weren't doing anything you know very active. My now my son is now out of college and. He's working on Capitol Hill, and he's very active in politics, but he didn't do much while he was in school. So he's kind of followed along as the, as the movements are growing, I guess. Um, how, how, in, how does the college, um, and then we're going to jump into Sherm 18, how does the college, like, you know, if something comes along, sometimes colleges are the scenes where, you know, where student movements happen, but they also become in, sometimes in the community other groups try to come in and you know use the college as a as a as a site to hold a rally for something that may or may not be popular. Do you guys ever have to deal with that? And uh, is there any element of HR that gets involved in that, or is that something that really doesn't touch you guys? Well, our colleges are um, very close to the communities in which they serve. So we have a couple of specifically two colleges that are enmeshed in the urban core of the city, um, and then we have a handful yep. that are a little bit out little further out but um, we are consistently hosting events and there are student-led groups um, that are always asking you know for time to either share their information or share their cause as far as HR we normally don't get involved with that we have a pretty good um, I I say a healthy separation in terms of what our student life uh, does and what HR does so we want to make sure that you know we let the student life folks lead that um, we don't, you know, it's obviously not our area of expertise. Um, we do think about it when it comes to employee involvement. So, you know, should our employees go? Mm-hmm. Should they take time off for that? You know, that kind of a thing. But it's not, um, it's not something we deal with or work through a lot, at least from the HR side. Yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily have expected so, but I, I you know, I, I, I don't know, you know. I, don't, I never yeah. worked in, in education, so it's, it's you know, there's, it's like hospitals. There's, um, I remember talking to Trish, um, Trish McFarland one time when she was working at a hospital, and she was talking about social media and how they had to have policies for doctors about what they could and couldn't say on their social media accounts because of concerns over HIPAA, which is, you know, once you mm-hmm. hear it, you kind of go, oh, yeah. But I, I would have never... I mean, I would have never thought that my doctor should or shouldn't have a Twitter account, you know, but just interesting stuff that goes on behind the scenes, and I'm always curious about that. So so you've done yeah, that. Yeah, and we, ha- we have law. Sorry, go ahead. Okay, I was going to say, we have a similar law uh, called FERPA, and that's, a, that's protecting student information. So we have similar regulations that we all need to pay attention to. So, like, I would never talk about a student here or – or discuss their grades or even the classes they're taking, and that would never be something I would tweet about or talk about or write about. Um, so it's something that we, that from from that angle, yes, it's something that HR really pays attention to, especially from the employee side. We don't want to accidentally, just like in a hospital environment, you're surrounded by this information all the time, and sometimes it's you know you don't realize that you're looking at someone's grades because you're just used to doing that and how how you want to protect that information. 
Yeah, it, yeah, and it's it, and it, and we already live in such a free flow of information society and stolen information and misused and you know data and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, exactly. What I was going to say is, I, I think I think that you've been. This is not your first time on the on the Sherm uh, blogging group, right? You've done it a, a, a couple times before, if my memory serves correctly. No, actually, this is my first time uh, being an official Sherm blogger. Uh, I've written about okay. the like conference in the past. This will be my seventh conference. So, um, but this is my first time actually it'll, being in the group. It'll be your. Was that your second or your seventh? My seventh. Seventh. Okay. So yeah, so I guess, uh, I guess I'm, I'm sure we've crossed paths a million times in the Sherm Blogger room. Yeah, uh, I, or I, in I, various I other areas. Talking to you, but I thought it was in the bloggers' lounge, so we must have said hi in the bookstore yeah. or on the floor at a party or whatever. Yeah. I know I've. I know we've met and I've talked to you, but I, I thought you have. I thought you were part of the. Oh, so all right. Well, so it, it being your first time, tell us about. Um, uh, how, I mean, did you get invited? Did you uh, ask to be on it? How did, so? How did the selection process go? I um, I well, it's kind of a combination of the two. Uh, I think I was recommended. Um, I got an invitation. I think a couple, maybe a couple of days after the official announcement. So um not sure what the process was behind the scenes on that. So um but mm -hmm. I'm excited, you know, to be part of it and kind of made me change my my thinking about how I would approach it about the conference because I was planning to go anyway. So um so I'm excited to give it a shot and find out, you know, kind of find out what I don't know about. And that's the whole other world for me right now. Yeah. Yeah. So so that so what what are so I was that that was like leading right into my next question, which is how are you going to uh, try to I mean at least you've been to a conference so you know the the mm -hmm. scale and the size and and all that kind of stuff but how are you going to approach it as part of the blog squad what then obviously you've done some of the pre writing and and that kind of stuff but what are you going to try to do while you're at the event. You know that's something I'm still kind of working through but I think um, so. In the past, I've done some, you know, day like wrap-ups of the day, things like that. I'll probably continue to do that. As far as social media and getting out there and doing the work of the blog squad, I think I really want to focus on the human beings of the conference. I think everybody who goes to this conference is looking for something um, entirely unique, and I'd love to find out what those things are and connect people and just kind of crack the door open a little bit in terms of making people a little less anonymous. You know, there's 15,000 of us. Um, how can we help people realize that the people they're passing in the hallway are, you know, struggling with the same things they're struggling with, that they're seeking the same information they're seeking, that they're succeeding because of the, some of the same things, you know. We're more alike than we are different. And I, I would love to spend some time focusing on, the attendees and who they are. So I'm I'm trying to figure out how to make that happen in a in a consistent format, but I think that's the angle I'm working with so far. Okay. I uh yeah, it I mean it, it, I don't you know, I don't know what I'm going to do this year. I uh um my my big pre-show effort has been this and I've actually had a blast doing these shows um talking to people and kind of getting to know some people I didn't know and, you know, revisiting with, with friends. I, I was told not to use old friends for John Jorgensen and Dave Ryan. So they're not old. They're just, you know, 
they're just highly experienced. Um, but uh, no, they, it's been great to, to like talk to so many different people and sort of, um, especially some of the, the newer ones that, that I have, that, you know, the first time I met, met, learned anything about them when I was doing research for the show. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm doing this really as my, my, uh, you know, pre-conference, uh, I guess, you know, duties. But at the conference, I've tried a few different things. Sometimes I go to a bunch of sessions. Sometimes I don't go to very many sessions, and I try to spend time in the hallways talking to people, and I haven't decided what I'm going to – what my approach yeah. is going to be this year. So I'm uh, – I'm, I'm 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 ambivalent. They they wanted me to try to do a couple more shows, and I'm kind of like I hate doing shows in the hallway at at a convention center. It's, it always sounds terrible. So anyway, yeah. um, and then I guess go go ahead. I was gonna say I think the key too is flexibility. I mean, um, we might show up and discover that you know our plans aren't working very well. You just have to go with it, you know, and just be ready to take on whatever needs to be done. And so I think that goes for, you know, just attending the conference in general. I always walk in with a plan, and then I completely change that plan as I go. So <laughs> I expect the same for my blogging experience as well. Yeah, yeah, because you, you'll want, you know, the one, the one uh, session you really want to get to, you'll get into a conversation with somebody in the hallway, and then you'll arrive at the last minute or just at the session's beginning, and there will be signs saying, road full, Go find something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're like, damn. You know, it's, I'm a blogger. Can I get in there? No. Yeah. You know. So anyway, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah, flexible, flex, flexible, and agile are are good uh, are good skills to bring to Sherm for sure. Um, who else have you interviewed? Anyone else, or do you have anyone else on your kind of your pre uh, pre uh, before you arrive on the conference? Uh, you gonna write or talk with anybody else? They've asked us to do Q and As with. A couple free people, I think, with each of us. Yes, I, I'm planning to work with one more person who I'm still trying to reach and set up a date and time to do a quick okay. interview with. Um, but yep. as of right now, that's I just one more person, and then I I, I had enough material with uh, Catherine Matthias actually to do a couple more blog posts, and so we kind of came up with a plan for rolling that out slowly over the course of the next okay. few months. Um, so there's definitely mm -hmm. more to come in that arena. Um, I'll have some personal blog posts lined up as well, just talking about the theme, about Chicago, about tips and tricks, things like that. So I'm just kind of I'm, – I'm big on process, so I've created a little bit of a chart for, you know, when these things should roll out just to kind of space it out. But more should sure. come in that arena. That's... What, what's uh, on your blog? Um, so, so do you have like a – how often do you write? I usually try to write – every two to three days, um, sometimes more, sometimes less. I don't have a actual schedule. Um, this blog started right. off as a more of a, a writing experiment, a place for me to, you know, get better at writing, to try to, you know, practice, practice, practice. And so um, mm -hmm. I don't have a set schedule unless, you know, unless there's a lot going on, then sometimes I'll kind of back off a little bit and write a little bit less. But so about every two or three days. You, uh do you um, when you write? Do you just sit down and write a blog, or is it a is it a is it kind of a, a a process that you have to you know do you do you refine your posts or do you just put them out there fresh out of your head? How do you, how do you, how do you write? Sure, I I usually have a pro I work through a process where I do a free write, you know, so maybe seven minutes or so, seven to ten minutes, kind of get out 
my thoughts on a particular particular topic or event, and then I'll spend some time, you know, polishing it a little bit. But I don't want I don't spend too much time on that because it's it's just a personal blog post, and um, I want it to sound casual and I want it to sound like mm-hmm. I speak. As and um, when I do other writing, you know, I'll spend a lot more time, you know, revising and thinking through that process. But on my personal blog post, it's usually, you know five to 10 minutes of writing followed by maybe 20 minutes of, you know, cutting things out here and there. And then um, it actually takes me longer to find images sometimes that I can use without um, violating copyrights and things like that. And uh, formatting yeah. that usually takes the longest. But So we've got about 80, but less than a minute and a half left, Carlos. So first of all, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. I enjoyed talking to you and uh, appreciate you being a guest on drive through um, also, you should probably tell people your Twitter uh, Twitter handle. Sure. Um, my Twitter handle is Escobar 78 And my LinkedIn, um, don't, oh, my LinkedIn site is also the same. So LinkedIn um, slash Escobar 78 And my blog also goes to the same web address as well. So it's pretty consistent with all my handles. Instagram. You, you've got your you've got your branding down there. Your C Escobar uh, seventy eight. <laughs> so um, yep. anyway, I want again, like I said, I, thanks for being on the show. Um, any any last uh, any last ten seconds of wisdom you want to share before we end the show? Sure. Um, looking forward to seeing everyone in Chicago. Uh, make the most of it, um, and absolutely make make sure to get out there and meet as many people as you can. Thanks, Carlos. I'm going to go ahead and end the show. That was Carlos Escobar. This is Mike Vandervoort on Monday, March 26th. Everybody have a great day. Thanks for being a guest, Carlos. Talk to you soon. See you in Chicago. All right. Thanks, Mike. Bye.